welcome to The Winnow, a podcast about dining in the South and beyond. I'm Robert Moss, the author of Barbecue, the History of an American Institution. And I'm Hannah Raskin, food editor at The Post and Courier. Well, today we're doing the all-day breakfast edition of The Winnow because we're talking about different sorts of breakfast, breakfast all day. We're going to talk about the concept of breakfast for dinner. We're going to talk about that late breakfast institution that's now known as brunch, uh, and and particularly a brunch coming up here in in Charleston. And we'll see what else uh, other breakfast topics we we, we hit upon. I think Hannah, this topic came up, we were in a previous, a recent podcast, we were talking about breakfast and stuff, and and somehow the topic of breakfast for dinner came up, and you said, oh, I have feelings about about breakfast for dinner, but we'll get to that some other time, and and we didn't get to it. So I thought we'd loop back around and and understand, because I'm taking from it that it sounds like you're not a huge fan of breakfast. For it was it was when I made char- the Charleston. Oh, waffles. it was back that in was, the Charleston yeah. waffle. Uh, <laughs> made made those for dinner, right? Yeah. And yeah. I approve of historical experiments at any hour, so that was not an issue. <laughs> but um, yeah, I am on record as being opposed to breakfast for dinner. It would always make me really sad when I worked in restaurants when family meal was like scrambled eggs. They, like <laughs> I, the the reason I don't like it is not because I don't like breakfast. In fact, I love breakfast, and I know because we you know we ask folks when we're adjusting sound here like what'd you have for breakfast and no one's ever no one ever eats breakfast i eat breakfast which may be one reason why i don't want a second time during the day right so maybe breakfast eaters are all opposed to breakfast for dinner but my philosophical objection is there is a time and place for every (laughs) food this is what the whole eat local movement is about this is what seasonality is about you're supposed to eat with the rhythms of the world around you and when it is dark outside and the sun has set the time for scrambled eggs and sausages has passed (laughs) so is it do you have is it specifically the uh, specific canon of breakfast foods what do you feel about like steak and eggs which is typically Uh, okay so okay okay i mean i don't mind seeing an egg at dinner time because i love eggs and (laughs) eggs you know are delicious and they figure into all sorts of savory dishes and sweet dishes as well um and i'm not going to turn down you know uh, a a bread pudding or a um you know a korean soup just because there's an egg you know (laughs) that's involved in its in its making um but yeah, but anything I think that's recognizably and specifically American breakfast. No, no, not even American. No, I'm going to say anything. The classic that, English breakfast. No. I don't want to see that. No, oatmeal I'm for thinking, dinger, like, do no. I want to see kanji at night? No, no. no I think anything. What about shrimp and grits? Uh, right. Shrimp and grits is an interesting example. I'm, you know, I'm not big on shrimp and grits just because I do feel like yeah. it's so overexposed That's here. just so interesting. I mean, the shrimp and grits... 50 years ago was a breakfast food. And, you know, and it's only known really in the low country of South Carolina, maybe down around the low country parts around Savannah, Georgia. It was very simple, plain grits, some some sauteed I, shrimp, and that's it. Now it's like the high ticket, you know, dinner item all over the South. So interesting you say it. Now I take it back. Maybe it's not the overexposure. Maybe it is my hatred of breakfast for dinner <laughs> that prevents me from ordering shrimp and grits because I will absolutely have fish and grits for breakfast. Yep. I think so, yes, grits fall into my into my realm of what I do not want to see after mm. midday. See, that's interesting because that grit sort of became this thing, uh, you know, with the the whole farm to tables, you know, new southern cooking. <laughs> right. you know, grits became a, a dinner food. They did. Uh, they became a side yeah. item that's just you know, and they and we've talked about this before. Chefs dress it, dress it up all yep. kind of ways. Um, but I, I I'd rather have rice in the well, evening. <laughs> I, I would like to come to a stirring defense of breakfast for dinner, but I got to admit, philosoph- it, it, it mine's more. The idea of breakfast for dinner, I don't like. I and also think it's a little immature, right? Everyone enjoys yeah, breakfast see, for dinner. See, I'm in trouble because like, I got to watch carefully because with, yeah. within my family, yep. uh, everyone else in my family but me loves breakfast for dinner. 
Um, and they'll often, I'm out of town, they'll go to your IHOP or wherever, you know, Waffle House, and, and they'll have breakfast for dinner. And, and everybody loves it. Everyone's happy. And I'm out of town, so they know. They know. So a good time was had about all. And often we'll be at home, like, getting dinner or talking about, what do you want for dinner? And, and oftentimes my wife or one of my kids, let's do breakfast for dinner. And I'm always like, no, I don't want breakfast for dinner. I just thought about the idea doesn't ring right. But I will admit that if I actually do get persuaded and end up cooking pancakes and eggs and bacon for dinner, I actually like it. So I enjoy eating it, but it's something about the concept. And maybe I got a little bit of what you have going on, which is that's for the morning hour. That's not for after 6 p.m. at at night. Right. And I'm not usually big on rules. Uh, You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not the one who supports food rules, but I think this goes back to what I was saying about the immaturity. I feel like breakfast for dinner, it's, it's, Prime time, and now obviously it's, it's everywhere. But yes. I feel like it's it's you know it it, it is something for college cafeterias. <laughs> it is something when you get out of high school, you're like, boy, I am going to do everything I was never allowed to do, and I am going to have a few strips of bacon on my dinner plate. I do remember going to college. Oh, it was such a big and deal in college. The big deal for me was when I was. Like just my first couple of weeks of college, I got over it pretty quickly, but you go to the dining hall and there's all the cereal in the world, all the sweetened cereals just in these bins, like yeah. 20, 30 bins. And you could just have whatever cereal you want, whenever you wanted. And uh, the novelty of that wore off really quickly. But right. but for, you know, an 18 year old off on your own, I can eat whatever I want. I'll eat. Fruit Loops for dinner. Exactly. And because they would leave those bins out all day, yeah. at least in my cafeteria. Yeah. So, yeah, same, you would have. Same with mine. Yep, yep, yep. I would have, yeah, Cheerios for lunch. You know, it's, yeah. Well, do you have feelings about the breakfast martini? I, I do, <laughs> in that I think it's really interesting. Um, I had noticed it on two new menus around town. So, I asked our food writer, Stephanie Barna, to go sample them. Um, and I don't think she came in after she did that. So, <laughs> so she went home and laid down. Yeah, exactly. It's a good way to start the day. Those are my feelings about the breakfast martini. Uh, Boy, here, you know what? I This is going to – we can retitle this the episode of Hannah's Strong Opinions, but <laughs> I am a martini drinker. I love martinis, and I look forward to it throughout the day. I don't want to start the day that way. Yeah, that does seem like, you know, well, it, it's, it, it is the interesting evolving brunch thing that's happening in, in America. But the breakfast martini specifically, I know Miller's All Day is a new restaurant, brand new, just opened up here a couple weeks ago in Charleston um, by a bunch of, actually, uh, some chefs, but also uh, Greg Johnsman, who is a Miller. farmer. Yeah, he, yeah. he does uh, Geechee Boy Mills and makes grits and all these other things. So uh, teamed up with uh, with uh, Nathan Thurston, a longtime uh, low country chef, um, and they've created an all-day breakfast place that includes one of the breakfast martinis. Do you know where the other breakfast martini yeah, is? Yeah, the other one is at Daps, um, Daps. which is also an all-breakfast restaurant. Yeah, so two all-breakfast things. The, the, the one at, at Miller's All Day, um, and I only know this but from Stephanie's article. I, have, I haven't tried it out yet, but it's it's gin, uh, sort of Cochi Americano and Cointreau, and peach jam, which I thought was an interesting little twist. I guess that's what makes it the breakfast is a little touch of jam in there, um, which is like the opposite of a dry martini. You got, now you have a little peachy martini. So I, 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 I'll try anything, so I'll give it a shot. Sure. But it just struck me as an odd thing. But then this restaurant is open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So I'm not exactly sure when you're supposed to have the breakfast martini. Are you supposed to have it at 7 a.m. to 7 p.m.? Or is it more because you're having breakfast for dinner there, though it's an early dinner because they close at 7 p.m.? It's uh, unusual. Yeah. I didn't know... The all all day breakfast things. Yeah, I noticed that the seven a.m. to seven p.m. hours is sort of interesting because I associate breakfast 
when it's not breakfast time with really late night. Right. Like obviously Waffle House, where in the South everyone sure. goes to Waffle House. Uh, when I was in graduate school at University of South Carolina, there was the Capitol Restaurant right on Main Street, open 24 hours a day. And you'd end up there at 3 a.m., out way too late, eating like hash and, and eggs and all kinds and of stuff. And I do want to make a, a breakfast for dinner exception for Waffle House hash browns. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel after night, midnight. After midnight's kind of your breakfast oh, yeah. time. Okay, you're back in, yeah, you're back yep. in the morning. Yep. It's just, yep. just really, you just haven't been fit yet. <laughs> yeah, so that, I mean, that, that's a question that I wrote down while you were talking about that. What is 3 a.m. Waffle House? Is that breakfast for dinner? And I guess, no, I guess it's not. That's breakfast. breakfast. All right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's well, it's, it's usually a mistake. I mean, but even, you know, even though, even though you're going to wake up later and have real breakfast later? Well, or maybe not. No, probably If you're Breakfast at Waffles at 3 a.m. You're not getting up before noon. Right. This is know. the first time you've shown foresight all evening. You yes. know that you're going to miss breakfast. You're going to have it right now. The other time I will accept breakfast at a funny hour is I do have sort of a soft spot for like the pancake supper, the fundraiser mm. kind of thing. Um, you know, I don't hang out with a lot of Boy Scouts anymore, but I think <laughs> the idea that they you know, like put on those pancake supper, I, I, I'm all right with that. And even more so, there is a great tradition in the north of Election Day pancake suppers. Um, oh, that and, is not a southern. Tradition. That is not a Southern tradition. It's a, and I only learned of it when I went to grad school um, in upstate New York. So How does the a, election day supper work? Is it like by the candidates themselves, <laughs> or is it more just for I the am community? Certain it started yeah. in bribery. I'm sure it dates back. Well, it to, all goes back yeah, to yeah, like in, in the colonial to, days. Right. You would treat everyone with a barrel of whiskey exactly. and, a, and a barbecued pig yep. um, on election day. So I'm sure it's that's what it dates back to. But now it's been absorbed primarily by it can be fraternal groups, it can be the city itself. Um, and they just that you go, you know, five dollars and have your. There is, there is a tradition at CFC um, during finals every year they do or every semester uh, midnight pancakes at the um, dining hall. Are they served by faculty? Because that's how they did it at my college. Uh, no, it's the normal dining hall staff. Oh, oh. You just, uh, since you're up late cramming the yeah the, the, the yeah. That's nice. Yeah, I guess that's that's I a good tradition. So, yeah, because to me, I, I'm of course fine. It's, it's midnight though. You know, yeah. Oh right, right. Midnight is midnight. But yeah. yeah, I feel like if it's something special, I, I I'm willing to make an exception. Well, I did think that getting the the breakfast martini got me thinking a little bit about brunch drinks. And uh, my wife and I like to go to On Forty One, which is up near our house in, in Mount Pleasant. Um, and we sit at the bar. It's a good place. It's really good. It's really good. <laughs> if it was closer. Yeah. Well, it is literally around the corner from our house, yep. which is why uh, it's our sort of go-to Sunday brunch spot. Yep. And um, I wish they were open on Saturday because I would go there on Saturdays, but they're only open for dinner on Saturdays. But uh, they do a, a big brunch business. And they have a really good burger there. Yeah, so. they have a great burger. They've yep. got um, you have fried chicken. It's, it's, yeah, fried chicken's you, really you, good. You don't go home hungry. Nope. Uh, the one thing about Brandon Flory, uh, he cooks very hard. He was a chef there, chef owner. Uh, he cooks very hearty meals, so I'll go in there. Yeah, that a, a brunch there usually leads to a Sunday afternoon nap. You know, it's sort of like a one-two process. But we'll sit at the bar and uh, you know eat, eat brunch and watch the bartender just make mimosa after mimosa after mimosa, lining them up like you know four and six glasses at a time, and just going through just jars and jars of orange juice and 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 of course bottle after bottle of vodka. And I'm looking around the restaurant, it's like there just aren't that many people here. Where are all these mimosas going to? It's unbelievable. I mean, I have no idea how they do it, but of course it is popular. They have the unlimited yes. mimosas, right? People buy in, and I know too. I've not seen this locally, but I've seen in D.C. where you buy in by the hour. 
where it's oh, like an hour, yeah, an hour <laughs> of bloody Mary syrup. It's like an IV. Almost. <laughs> it's like keep it flowing. Exactly. I definitely New York had this thing where it was like these gigantic, like the yards of beer that you'd have. Mm-hmm. They have these other these mimosa glasses that are the, you know three feet tall. It's just ludicrous. Um, kind of things. But you think about those breakfast, that's the breakfast cocktail is what? There's two breakfast cocktails in America. There's the mimosa and there, there's the Bloody Mary. Right. They're both got a, a juice. Like you have a tomato juice or orange juice and then vodka, which is the tasteless, flavorless, this kind of thing. So on one hand, the breakfast martini seems a little weird because it does sound like the thin man or something like that where you, know, you have people with drinking problems starting off early. But on the other hand, I sort of approve – Let Getting away from like vodka is the only thing that you can have um, in your late morning brunch cocktail. So I do approve of, of getting something with flavor like gin right. into there, a cocktail glass. There was in what's considered, you know, the classic cocktail age, there was a whole category of morning drinks. Oh, yes. Yeah, no, I mean, well, the mint is, julep. Yes, exactly. Uh, originated of, as in the early 19th century. It was an anti-phogmatic, as right. they called it. It was a morning drink yep. that you knocked back to clear the fog. Right. So, so bourbon in the morning, I mean, you can make your mint julep different ways, okay. but there is a history of whiskey in the morning in the Oh, yeah, yeah sure. absolutely. Yeah. The, the cocktail, in fact, was a, a morning beverage. Right, exactly. <laughs> Originally. Exactly. Uh, back in the 19th century when people drank basically all day long. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather rather remarkably. So I, 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 in, in concept, breakfast martini, I'm, I'm, I like the idea that we're getting a little bit beyond just uh, the mimosa and the Bloody Mary, both of which I really can't stand because I just don't think they're – you get no flavor from vodka. Is so, oh well, wait, 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 wait. you need to stop making your Bloody Marys with vodka. Well, that's the, that's the, the, well, the problem. I, I, with Bloody I, I Marys, Marys them, is I'm don't, I don't particularly like tomato juice. Oh, well, so, then you'll never. Yeah, so that, yeah. that's what that's what it is. I like all the rest of the stuff you put in it. All the you know, people put with shrimp and all that. It's like, oh, yeah. good, give me that little salad. Uh, yeah, but, and uh, I'll just do a shot of vodka on the side, I guess. But, but I will say, if people haven't experimented with their Bloody Marys, um, they respond really well to all sorts of things. And bartenders usually have secrets about which beer and which wine they mm. add to their Bloody Mary. Um, but you definitely don't need to have just vodka. Well, I'd always associate though this. Breakfast for dinner mm-hmm. with beer, primarily because of my c- college days at Capital Restaurant, where <laughs> you could get a what they call Sunday beer, because mm-hmm. at that time in in Columbia you couldn't sell uh, alcohol after midnight. But the Capital Restaurant, which is now closed, so they closed many years ago, it was actually open. It's like a almost open almost a century. It's this classic old old diner type type restaurant. But after sun after midnight, you could order a beer and it'd come out in a, in a plastic. Or a white styrofoam cup. Ha! I guess <laughs> and, if you're close to the legislature, you yeah. Can oh yeah, you're right. I mean, it, is, yeah. <laughs> it was literally a block from the Capitol. You yeah. can walk right down the front steps of the Capitol right there. Yep. Um, they take yep. care of themselves. So I associate beer with because you can't get beer at Waffle House, but um, you could at the Capitol Restaurant. I associate that with breakfast for dinner, and even like my brunches while we're sitting there watching. You know, mimosa after mimosa flow. I'd always just get a good craft beer because, after all, it's grain. It's sort of like cereal. I think it just goes fine with a with a brunch. I'd much rather have a good a good solid beer than than uh, a, a bunch of mimosas. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't want beer with the food. <laughs> just thinking about it is disgusting. I mean, and again, maybe that's why I don't like breakfast for dinner. I can't wine pair that. I'm, I'm not, I don't Yeah, want, I don't know about wine and breakfast. I don't breakfast. want wine I don't, with my sunny side We get Harry Root back in here. I'm sure he could find a nice rosé that would go yeah. well with your, your sausage and eggs. But. So uh, Hannah's strong opinions, <laughs> anti-breakfast for dinner and anti-beer with Stop it wherever with, with I breakfast. see it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one last thing, I um, I think the Rattler is a really good morning beverage. Oh yeah, that's a great just kind of. What is the Rattler? 
It's a mixture of, like, it's basically half fruit soda and half beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably about, like, 2% ABV. And it's uh, grapefruit juice often. Yeah. Like yeah, you, yeah. 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 Uh, I discovered this when I was in the Netherlands a, a few weeks ago, and, and that's what I was basically drinking every morning for, <laughs> with breakfast. Um, there, what was really popular was the citrus Rattler. So I, I'm not really sure exactly what flavor it is. It's just generic. Is it not the Steigl Rattler? No, no, the, no. Okay. It, it actually, like every company there has a Rattler. There's yeah. like Amstel, Heineken, and um, all those. Those, those come actually own, yeah. mixed by the brewery. Not, yeah. It's yeah. not a yeah. mixed by the bartender. Yeah. Right. No, no, no. You actually, it. a lot of them are, are zero alcohol, too. So right. they're, I, I guess they're just meant for refreshment. Entirely. And because this got started as a sports drink. Yeah. You know, it was like cyclists were drinking <laughs> it seriously. And so it, it had a huge surge of popularity here in Charleston, what, maybe two summers ago, three summers yeah. ago? Where, must have missed that trend. Oh, uh, they sold out. I mean, literally, they yeah. could not supply enough Radler to keep Charleston. Oh, yeah, the Stiegel one is, is really hard to find still, I it, think. It's, yeah. Um, um, but so, yeah, so I think we've got some local breweries that have dipped into it for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and also some of the bigger breweries now, because it was a national trend, it wasn't just here, um, who, who are making their own canned versions. So, yeah. Okay, well, that's a. Yeah, I support that. You support that. I support Not that. beer, but, mm-hmm. but you know. So the fruit juice makes it acceptable. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I actually want that with bread, but I, I could totally see that, like 10 a.m., you know, it's days getting going. Yeah. I, yeah well, know. and like it's, it's, I, like I said, it's. In Europe, at least, it's you have the choice between zero alcohol or, or basically half alcohol. It's like only two percent, so it's not going to get you lit. You yeah, know? just get you. Yeah, eases you into the day. Yeah, yeah, a pleasant way. Okay. I may try that next time yeah. out when I'm I'm out doing my doing my brunch. All right. So, talking of brunches, uh, Hannah, I know you've got a, a brunch event that you're involved with, with that's coming up here very very soon. It's called the Spirited Brunch, but I don't think it really involves Bloody Marys and 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 all that type of spirit. It's a little more. Holy Spirit involved in this brunch. Right. right. If you want to drink any Bloody Marys, you'll have to do that on your own time along (laughs) the way. Um, We did this for the first time last year. The Spirited Brunch is sort of a joint production of the Post and Courier and the College of Charleston's Religious Studies Department. Um, I'm friends with one of its faculty members, and we had... um, been talking about this event. This grew out of my interest in all the many houses of worship I pass on a daily basis. You know, I don't have a car. So (laughs) as you walk along, you just see so many churches. I mean, it's the holy city, you know. I mean, so you see a lot of churches and and, and other congregations as well. I'm always curious, like, what's it like in there? You know, because unlike a a restaurant or a retailer, it's not something you can just walk into. Um, And as welcoming as churches may be, um, I've often found in the course reporting stories it's sometimes locked. You know, it's not yeah. like you can just go well, on I mean, in. on Sunday morning or whatever that you can walk sure. into the you service. Sure, you're welcome in services. Yeah, right. at 3 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, the sanctuary may not, not even be open. Exactly, right, right, right. And because in, in many cases around Charleston, um, these are historic congregations have really, their populations have dwindled. They may not have a very, you know... Um, Maybe a vibrant community, but may not be a very no, big And you have a full-time staff You don't have a secretary is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I was interested in all these places and decided um, it would be really fun to get to know them by the foods they serve. And so we asked every congregation on the peninsula um, to participate in this event. And I think our first year we had about a dozen which agreed. And it was a very short time frame. But with the help of the local Christian-Jewish alliance, they still we, we, they still don't call it interfaith in Charleston. Um, but it is sort of the network of the various spiritual organizations. Um, they helped connect us. We had about a dozen, dozen houses of worship that – we're along the route, and the route is, as I said, self-guided. It's all free. 
Um, and you just went from one to the another, and each one had been each one had been asked to serve um, a snack representative of its community or faith tradition. And that was it. And you could go to one, you could go to twelve, you could do whatever you want. It was just totally free and open, and just come on in and check it out. And it was pretty cool. It really was neat. Um, and so we're repeating it this year um, and hope to repeat it every year. Um, this year we have about twice as many congregations. Oh, wow. so, yeah. So we're at, I think, 22. Yeah, yeah that's so a lot. It is a lot. Um, and so I don't expect anyone will see all of them. But it's um, – <laughs> This is like the total opposite of the soft shell crawl that right, we were talking right, right, about. Right, right, right. Yeah, right, exactly. It's, uh, yeah. but, it's, but it would still be a monumental event to do. To do all of them. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah no, for sure, feet. for sure. Um, and so it's really neat what the you know what they're doing, what they serve. Um, and, and so in addition to just putting out food and kind of having people there to welcome you, um, obviously a lot of these places have church cookbooks mm-hmm. that they'll be sharing, and you know you could buy that if you're interested. Um, places like Bethel um, United Methodist, which participated last year, this year they've invited their organist to be there throughout, so we'll be playing some sort of what's really turns out to be a special and important organ. Um, but it's the food that that's really cool. So what kind of things did they make last year? Did so. So last year, I mean, it was just so illuminating about these religions. For example, the Baha'i faith, which is participating again this year, um, served only water. And they did that because they are extremely anti-prejudice in that group. Mm -hmm. And they feel that any food would have some sort of cultural connotation and they don't want to preference any any group over another. Just water. Just water. And so so to me, I mean, that to me taught me the lesson of the Baha'i faith more than I think any, you know, museum exhibit or hour-long documentary would. They served water. And I just thought that was really telling. Um, not far from there. I mean, the idea is these are all downtown, so yep. nothing's too far away. Um, over at Morris Brown AME, they did uh, fried chicken, which was really good. Um, and I think it fixins too. I mean, some of these, <laughs> some of the, we don't limit them. Um, we do say if any congregation doesn't feel like they're financially fit to participate, we have money to support them participating. Um, but if they want to throw more into it, that's up to them. And so it was a full-on lunch at Morris oh, Brown. Wow. So um, we will have – this year we have quite a number of more kind of traditional southern foods. Um, We have – I think it's Mount Zion this year is going to be serving. They're going to serve a traditional New Year's Day meal, what they would have in their congregation, so the Hoppin' John, Mm -hmm. which will be great. Um, We have – let's see. Yeah, that's actually – those. that's such a low country tradition, you know, tied in with with, with, – the community going way, way back. So that, that, that'd be one I'd be, I'd want to check out. Yeah. For sure. There, I mean, it's a lot of interesting ones. And over at the cathedral, St. John the Baptist, um, they are, I mean, the, the histories of these congregations are fascinating. I, I have them all in the, in the food section this week, not long, but just in looking up how many of these are like the first of this one ever, <laughs> the first of that ever, you know? Um, so St. John the Baptist, um, is associated with Ireland. And so because of that, they're serving Irish soda bread. Um, but they're serving it with okra soup, which I think is okay, a really well, nice touch. Ireland meets the low country. Exactly. Um, we've had the mosque this year. Um, last year they served, it, it almost coincided with Ramadan last year. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of a focus of their program. And so they served dates talking about this is the first thing you have at the end of each day of fasting. Um, this year they are serving a, um, where did I put it? Uh, 
This year they're serving babusa, which is kind of a syrup-soaked semolina cake. Mm -hmm. So what's neat about the Central Mosque um, is because we don't have a huge Muslim population in Charleston, um, they come from all backgrounds, which in a bigger city you would tend to pray with other people from – you know, where you or your parents had immigrated from. Uh, here, everyone is together. So, you know, African, Asians, it, lots of people together. But oh, there is, um, there are a number of people there who came from the Middle East. So they are serving uh, a cake associated with that region. Well, that's interesting. What time does it start? Is it right, sort of like just details. all morning long? Or? Yeah, no, it's actually, it, it's after church. <laughs> oh, it's after church. <laughs> it's after okay. church. So it's after services. Our idea in being that first, I mean, that's a well, That's time, true. That way you, you get your services done. You don't, yeah, you don't have to rush We don't want to interrupt yeah. the services. And again, I, I to be clear, as I just said, it's the mosque. These aren't yep. all Sunday morning services. Um, we do have uh, a KKBE, a Jewish congregation mm-hmm. along the route. Um we have, let's see. I mean, it, it, it's really cool what's represented. But you asked me a question about yep. when and where it is. <laughs> so um, it is Sunday, April 22nd from 1230 to 330. Okay. As I said, it's free. You can start anywhere you want along the route. Um, at postandcourier.com, we'll have it all mapped out as well as a digital map so you can kind of follow along along the way. Um, we have a central information hub at the College of Charleston. In, in fact, you want to talk to a person before you set out on your way. Uh, additionally, folks from the Religious Studies Department will be there if you have questions just about you know, food and faith in Charleston. Well, it sounds to me like, well, both delicious, but also a way to really learn a lot, you know, just in, in probably a couple of hours. And and hopefully the weather will be nice. It'll be a nice stroll downtown. Yeah, yeah. we had great weather last year. I, I've been afraid to look what it's going to be this year. <laughs> Don't, um, look. Don't look. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but it, obviously these places are all indoors. So, yep. you know, if you have an umbrella to carry between them. Um, you know, the feedback we got last year is people are like, I wish I could have gone to more because you do learn so much, as I said, about these communities and their culture and, and really the history of Charleston, you cannot know unless you know the history of its fates. I mean, it is very much part of the city. Okay, so that's postandcourier.com. We'll have all the details for the Spirited Brunch, uh, Sunday, April 22nd. All right, and that is all for this edition of The Winnow. We recorded today's episode in the Dinner for Dinner, podcasting (laughs) studios at the Post and Courier Building in downtown Charleston, South Carolina. If you enjoy listening to The Winnow, please help other listeners find us too. Just go to iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you download your podcasts and like us or leave a rating. The Winnow is a production of the Post and Courier and Palmetto New Media. Our producer today was the Rattler Swilling, J. Emery Parker. Our theme music is by... But you can swill Rattler all day. All day long. Or less. Our theme music is by the Bluestone Ramblers. Until next time, I'm Robert Moss. I'm Hannah Raskin. Now get out there and eat.